I think it's safe to say that every Christian, at least once in their lives, are going to face two questions. And those two questions are, how can I know for sure that I'm saved? And how can I know for sure that what I believe is true? And these two questions have caused a lot of doubt, a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, and a lot of stress in people's lives. And what I want to look at this week is that first question, how can I know for sure that I'm saved? What's some evidence there? And as we go into this, there's some things that we need to keep in mind. These questions, these doubts that hit us have three main sources. The first source is Satan. The second source is ourselves. And the third source are other people. Where Satan is concerned, in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, he's called the accuser of the brethren day and night. And we see in scripture some instances where he is before the throne of God. Job is one picture of it. Just accusing the people of God. Pointing out faults or um, implying that they have weaknesses or they're just serving God uh, for their own personal gain and they really don't care about God. But then also Satan attacks us. Uh, Ephesians 6 talks about the fiery darts and, you know, he'll just start accusing us of all the things that we're really guilty of. Uh, our, our failures, our sins, our shortcomings, all of those things he throws in our face and tries to break us down. And when those fiery darts or those flaming arrows hit, uh, boy, if they can catch fire, that fire spreads and it causes a lot of damage and a lot of pain in our lives. Uh, the, the second source is ourselves. We know ourselves. You know, and, and realistically, we don't need Satan to accuse us of, of all the junk we've done and our failures and shortcomings. Uh, we, we know all too well. We can accuse ourselves and condemn ourselves. Um, you know, and maybe you've come to a point where uh, you've backslidden from the Lord and then you're wondering, can I ever return to God? After everything I've done, can I ever go back? Uh, the, the answer, of course, is sure, absolutely, and we'll look at that. But we have that tendency to look at ourselves and are very harsh critics of ourselves. Uh, we compare ourselves with other people and we critique our performance. And that just adds added weight and stress upon our relationship with the Lord. And then that last source is other people. Uh, other people put expectations on us. They tell us what we should be doing. They make us feel guilty about what we are or are not doing. Uh, we hear things like, you should be witnessing more. You should be reading your Bible more. You should be praying more. You should be tithing more. And we just get this bombardment of, of guilt and expectations that really uh, aren't from God. 
And when we have that, it's just, it's, it's a horrible weight on our lives. So I want to give you some things to keep in mind so that when these thoughts come, if they come, you'll be able to deal with them. You'll be able to extinguish those fiery darts, uh, hopefully very quickly. Um, the first thing to keep in mind is that we need to understand the difference between condemnation and conviction. Condemnation is where our faults and failures and, and sins are pointed out and basically our, our noses are rubbed in it. It breaks us down. It tells us that we're no good, that we're losers, that God couldn't love somebody like us or we're not acceptable uh, to God. It breaks us down and it crushes us and it drives us further away from the Lord. We're already broken, we're already hurting, we're already doubting, we're already ashamed. And then we get those, those condemning thoughts of, how could you ever approach God again after what you did? Or I, I think God's just tired of hearing you say you're sorry and you just keep on messing up. Those are those things that condemnation brings. Whereas conviction, it points out our sin, it points out our shortcomings, but the motive of conviction is to help us get on the right path, to correct the course that we're, we're going down and, and getting closer to the Lord. Conviction is pushing us to Christ. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. You know, when we're sinners, the Holy Spirit comes in and really begins to convict of us of our sin and the fact that we are going to face Jesus and that we need a Savior, we need the cross. And then once that conviction's there, boom, it's constantly pushing us to Jesus till hopefully we come to that point of surrendering our lives to Christ. That's a real big difference. Uh, a great picture of this is in John chapter 8, where Pharisees and some scribes bring a woman before Jesus and they caught her in adultery. And it's really interesting to, to note that they didn't bring the guy. They just brought the lady. But they threw her at Jesus' feet. They told him everything that she did, that we caught her in the very act of adultery. She's an adulteress and she deserves to die. And then they say, what do you say, Jesus? And Jesus' response was that we don't know what it was, but other than that, he wrote in the, in the dirt things. And people speculate about what, what they could be. I don't know what they were. But as he began to write, the accusers, the condemners, began to leave one by one from the oldest to the youngest. Um, and then where everybody was gone, Jesus said, where are your accusers? And she says, there aren't any, they're all gone. And his response was, well, I don't, I don't condemn you either. Now go and sin no more. So Jesus was not condemning of her, 
but he was convicting. He was calling her on the carpet for her deed and addressing it as being sin and then telling her to stop doing it, to repent. And that's that difference between conviction and condemnation. So when you get these thoughts and you get these feelings or people say things to you uh, that are tearing you down and crushing you and making you want to withdraw from the Lord because of guilt and shame, uh, that's not coming from the Lord. If something is convicting you of a sin or something that needs to be done or not done, and it's pushing you toward Christ, that's a good thing. So bear that in mind. Know the difference between condemnation and conviction, because condemnation is not from God. Conviction is. That's what the Holy Spirit does in our life. Another thing to keep in mind is this. Performance is not how we're saved. As I said earlier, we, we have that tendency to compare ourselves to others, or we put together some list where we feel like we have to meet this certain quota or standard in order to be saved or in order to keep our salvation. And the, the reality is, if we're saved, yes, there's going to be things that we do. There's going to be fruit. There's going to be activity. The Bible calls them works. But they don't save us. They're just the byproducts of being saved. And when we think of performance and we compare ourselves to others or some standard that we've set, uh, rather than to the Word of God, uh, it really becomes burdensome. And so I want you to think about these things. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it says that we're saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. You know, it's a gift of God. Anybody can take it. If our salvation was based upon performance, nobody could be saved. The Word of God says there are none righteous, not one. So that performance isn't there. Okay? In John chapter 6, verse 28, uh, the people came to Jesus and they said, Lord, what are the works that we need to do? To be saved? What are the works of God that we need to do to be saved? And Jesus said, you want to know what the works of God are? It's simply this, believe in him who he sent. The thing that God wants you to do is put your trust in Jesus. That's pretty simple. That's how we're saved. So performance doesn't save us, and performance doesn't sustain us. We don't have to worry about God looking at some checklist and saying, hey, you're not praying enough, you're not witnessing enough, you're not reading your Bible enough, you're sinning too much, uh, and just going down this list and saying, I'm sorry, you're out. That's not the way it works. So how can we know for sure that we're saved? In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it reiterates that what we see Jesus saying in John 6, 28. It's believing in Christ. 
It says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is God, that he is Lord, and we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. It's this conviction, okay, this, this place where the Holy Spirit brings us in our heart where we say, yes, I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins. He paid the penalty and the price. And I believe that God raised him from the dead and he is now raised with the Father at the right hand of the Father and making intercession for me. I believe that he rose from the dead and we confess out of that conviction of heart, we confess that he is Lord, that he is the Savior, that he is God. So if you've done that, if, if you have that conviction that that's who Jesus is, then it's, it, you're, you're in good shape, okay? Also, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22, it says that God has given us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee of our eternal home and our eternal destiny. So what does that look like? When the Holy Spirit comes into a person's life, change comes. For some people, in some areas of their life, it is a dramatic, immediate change. For other people, it's a slow and gradual change. But you begin to see the fruit of the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life where the things that were okay before you gave your life to Christ are no longer sitting so well with you. They're not okay now. Not because somebody was pointing their finger at you and condemning you or anything, but from inside the Holy Spirit's bringing conviction and saying, no, that's not good. That's not right. The Holy Spirit gives us a new heart. And there's that change that happens where the things that displease God, we don't want to do. And we begin to push those away. And the things that we uh, want to do are the things that please God. That, that becomes that heart. And I'm not saying that it's perfect and that all of a sudden you no longer want to uh, sin or do the things that you used to do. Because the Bible tells us that there's a battle that wages still, even as we're Christians, where our flesh, that old sin nature, wants to do what it wants to do. But our saved heart, our saved nature, our new man in Christ, wants to live for the Lord. And there's this battle. And I love the fact that Paul talks about his own struggles. He says, you know, what I don't want to do, I do. And that which I do want to do, I don't do. Who will deliver me from this body of death? And just by having that, that battle between uh, the flesh and the spirit and wanting to please God and push away the things of sin and the things that displease God is a really awesome indicator uh, that, that the Holy Spirit is there and working in our lives. Uh, then there's the fruit of the spirit that he begins to bear in our lives. We don't make it happen. He does it in us the love and the joy and the peace and the kindness and the patience. And those are things that come and they're developed 
and we yield to the Holy Spirit and he cultivates that fruit in our lives. And it's an ongoing process, but we can see work. So I would encourage you to look at your life now as opposed to your life before you gave uh, your life to Christ and see if there's been a change. Have your desires changed, your focus changed, your heart changed. That's a good indicator that you're born again, that you're saved. And lastly, I want to leave you with this. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 12, it says, If we love one another, then we know that God abides in us, that he lives in us. Because his very nature is love. Now, that's not talking about mushy love, um, romantic love, or a love of things like, hey, I love a good hamburger, or I love a good uh, steak, or whatever it might be. That's not that kind of love. This is God love. This is agape love. That's what it is in Greek. And it's a love that seeks to better the lives of others to the point of it uh, requiring a sacrifice on your part. It's what we see Jesus do on the cross. He loved us, so he gave his life for us. He cares so much about our salvation that he gave himself to be that sacrifice. God loves us so much and he desires for us to be saved and in right relationship with him that he gave his son Jesus, John 3, 16. So that's agape love. And when the Lord is in our lives, the Holy Spirit is there, we're going to have a love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. There's gonna be a desire to serve them, to seek their good, and to, to promote their welfare. And do that even if it costs us something. That's a key indicator. Jesus said, by this, they will know that you are my disciples, by your love one for another. Now, we get grumpy, we sin, we fall, we get frustrated with each other. And the Bible tells us, you know, to exercise the fruits of the Spirit, the patience, the kindness, the gentleness, the self-control. Because, you know, it's, it's tough. You know, being in a family, even if it's the family of God, we rub against each other. We're not perfect. We, we fail and we fall and we get on each other's nerves sometimes. And that's where that, those gifts come into play and, and letting the Holy Spirit work in our lives so that we are loving each other and caring for each other. So I would encourage you, if you're dealing with this and you're facing these kind of, of questions and these doubts and fears concerning your salvation, all you need to do is just look and see, okay, has there been a change? Because the Bible tells us if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And man, if you can see a change, if you can see where you were and where you are now, and there's a difference, that's awesome. And you know what? Even if you've backslidden 
and you've gone back into your old ways or gone off on a different tangent and uh, gone back into sin and whatnot, but then the Holy Spirit just convicted you and brought you home like the prodigal son and you came running home, the Father embraces you. And without repentance, uh, he, he loves you. He'll take you back. You know, and again, you're going to see that change. That's what repentance is, turning away from one way of life to another. So look back at your life and see if there's a change. Don't, don't compare yourself to other people. Don't compare yourself to some checklist that you've made for yourself or somebody else has made for you. Just see if the Holy Spirit's working in there. And, you know, I want to I pray for you. And if, you, if you're listening to this and you've got any doubt where you're looking at yourself, the Bible says that we're to examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith. It's good to question and go, hey, am I really in the faith? Because there's a lot of people out there who think that they're saved and they think that they're going to heaven. But the Bible tells us those, there's a lot of people out there who they think that, but they're not. And that might be a little scary, but again, we've got some tools here that we can look at to, to see whether or not we're, we're saved. But if you're, you're looking at these things and you go, I don't think I'm born again. And born again means you're, the Holy Spirit comes into your life and you're giving a new life. You were spiritually dead and now you're spiritually alive because the Holy Spirit has come into your life and given you the life of Christ. So I want to pray for you and I would encourage you just to, to ask Jesus to totally come and take control of your life. And surrender your life to him. Say, I believe that I am a sinner. I believe that you came and you sacrificed your life on a cross for my sin. You paid my debt. You took my guilt. And I believe that after three days, you rose from the dead and you are my savior. And you confess that, you go and you just, you know, tell people, say, hey, this is, this is the decision and the commitment I've made. And I want you to know that I believe that Jesus is God. He is the savior of mankind. You know, that's that believing and confessing. So right now you can just ask the Lord to take your life, surrender to him, give your life to him. So Father, I just pray for anybody who's listening to this and I ask you to touch their heart and their mind and their lives. Help them to weed through the fear and the doubt and the anxiety and open up their eyes to the work that you've done in their life. Help them to see the fruit. Help them to see your hand in their life. Help them to see you at work in their life. Show them the things that would encourage them and build them up and help them to understand that you don't condemn us, you convict us because your desire is for us to come closer to you and uh, to, to get rid of anything that's gonna hinder our relationship and the blessings that we have with you. And Father, if there's somebody who's listening and they don't know you, I ask that your Holy Spirit would touch their heart 
and really bring that conviction. That's his job, is to convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of repentance. And so, Lord, please work in their heart and bring them to that place where they just surrender to you and they accept what you did for them on that cross, that they can be righteous and holy and a child of God because of what you did for them, not because of what they've tried to do for themselves or because of any failures and sin that they've done. Lord, you, you love us and we praise you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening.